let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Wednesday evening where we continue our reflections into uh, the richness of this special topic that we have been treating in uh, mercy. And before we jump into today's subject matter, just a couple of things. First, I just want to welcome all of you tuning in by way of podcast, huh? All of you listening in the countries of Canada, Mexico, uh, Brazil, Argentina, Chile, Paraguay, countries I see on the grid in Western Europe, Portugal, Spain, France, Germany, uh, Italy. I also see um, Croatia. It really is an honor, and I know you've heard me say that before, but I want you to understand that uh, it is special to me that you take out 25 to 30 minutes of your time to tune into what we are here about on Seeds of Truth, which brings me to my second point. I was in a conversation the other day, and someone asked me, you know, Joe, there are so many different aspects to the Catholic faith. There's so many different questions to the Catholic faith. I, I suppose there are millions of questions to the Catholic faith. How are you able to treat all of that? And really, <laughs> we just take one very small bite at a time, huh? I mean, certainly we make an effort to cover the various aspects of the Christian and Catholic faith by treating the Catholic faith um, from one night to the next in its different themes, right? Monday, we are about the great Christian thinkers. Tuesday, we are about Pope Francis. Wednesday evening, this evening, uh, we take up special topics. So what have we been about this Wednesday evening? Certainly, we spent some time um, in the area of apologetics. We spent a lot of time talking about theology of the body. We recently finished up a reflection study on the Our Father, and now we are in this latest special topic of mercy, so again, we make a point to touch upon many different topics, and of course, Thursday is uh, Sacred Scripture, and again, it's just bite by bite, huh? It's just nibble by nibble. There are so many questions, so hopefully as we continue to expand our archives and we continue to reflect into this many-splendored thing we call the Catholic faith, we are answering some of your questions. I was also asked, Joe, um, you're on radio uh, do you put an emphasis on apologetics, evangelization, catechesis, church history? Well, in light of what I was just saying, all of it. On one hand, radio is a great form for evangelization, but on another, it is a form for so many other things. I know in reading some of your emails, you've made a point to let me know that you've enjoyed some of the catechesis we've done on various topics, how we ought to teach the Christian Catholic faith, but also some of the history. You know, how many times have we said it in our night devoted to the great Christian thinkers, that without an understanding of history, how can we possibly know not only who we are, but where we are going? The value of history is to better know our story, and to better know our story is to, again, appreciate who we are and where we are going. So I'm just openly sharing right now some of the things that I'm receiving from you, some of the conversations that I'm having, and um, why we do what we do here on Seeds of Truth Radio, that we really do try to touch um, so many different topics, all the while focusing in on the details of those topics. And as I say that, we are in 
this special topic of mercy, and we are focusing in on uh, the detail, if you will, of the corporal and spiritual works of mercy. Uh, Certainly we will be wrapping up this evening the corporal works of mercy. Now, all that being said, I thought we can kickstart our reflection into the corporal works of mercy with something from Pope Francis that he said back, I think it was at the end of January, and I got this quote here. He says this, We are in the holy year of mercy, as many of us know, of course, and it is my hope that in this jubilee, all the members of the Church will renew their faith in Jesus Christ, the face of the Father's mercy, the way who united God and man. He continues, Mercy, then, is the foundation of the life of the church, the first truth of the church. Indeed, mercy is Christ's love. How then can we not desire that all Christian people, pastors and faithful, rediscover and return to the center during the Jubilee, the corporal and spiritual works of mercy? When, in the evening of life, it shall be asked of us what we did to feed the hungry and give drink to the thirsty, Equally, interestingly enough, did you hear what he just said? Equally (laughs) shall it be asked of us if we have helped people to set their doubts aside, if we have committed ourselves to welcoming sinners, admonishing them or correcting them, if we have been able to combat ignorance, especially in relation to the Christian faith and the good life. So, this is why we are treating the corporal and spiritual works of mercy. This is why we're going through each and every uh, corporal and spiritual work of mercy, because as Pope Francis reminds us, it is that important, huh? Okay, with that, let us turn our attention to the sixth corporal work of mercy, bury the dead, which for some of us may seem a bit odd. I mean, who doesn't bury their loved ones, huh? <laughs> I mean, what is this sixth corporal work of mercy all about, bury the dead? Well, the church does want us to be present to several things here. First, how our mere attendance to a funeral can go a long, long way. And, and I am just not talking about going to a funeral to someone you know. That certainly is important. But also going to funerals where you might not know the person that well. Maybe a parishioner who you just saw in passing. You know, many of us have experienced the loss of a loved one and what it means to see so many faces, even faces that you don't even see very often, to see someone praying for your lost loved one. My dear friends, this can be a powerful act that strengthens us, huh? And in this way, we are made to see how we can be agents of God's mercy by just being present to our brother and sister in Christ. Now, Another aspect to this corporal work of mercy is to understand that uh, the grieving process sometimes, if not all the time, takes a long time. Once again, for many of us, this is something we have probably encountered. Now, as I'm thinking about this right now, I will share something personal here. Um, My father died in 1991, and I remember after my father's death, the very long grieving process that my mother went through. And point of fact, in the initial days, I recall her being so overwhelmed by everything that the actual grieving process didn't start until months later. And I will never forget that when one particular friend came over, approximately four months after my dad had died, did I hear my mother 
really cry for the first time. This friend of my mother's was an old next-door neighbor of ours that my mother had not seen in a, a long time. And what a gift it was for her, this old next-door neighbor, to take the time out of her very busy schedule to spend time with my mother. What a gift she was to my mom. What an agent of mercy <laughs> she was to my mom. I mean, this is the kind of power that I am talking about as it relates to this sixth corporal work of mercy that we ought to be present to. My friends, this is the detail that I was talking about in the opening. And this detail is always found in what? The encounter, being open to those around you. Never forget that the most important word to our evangelization is encounter how we are called to be present to one another and be open to that encounter, huh? Now, how about some other practical steps to better enter into this corporal work of mercy? Uh, maybe we can send a card to someone who has recently lost a loved one. If you're a Catholic out there, maybe have a Mass set for that person. You know, Masses for the deceased is a powerful way to intercede on behalf of a lost loved one. Maybe we can visit the cemetery and pray for those we have lost and others have lost. You know, the bishop's website, as it speaks to the corporal works of mercy, also recommends spending some time planning for your own funeral mass. Huh, that's interesting. Maybe reading through the order of Christian funerals and, and finding hope in the resurrection. Here I am made to think of St. Francis of Assisi, who, who used to put a skull on his working desk. That's kind of ominous. <laughs> Why in the world would St. Francis of Assisi put a skull on his working desk? Well, he wanted to remember death. It was very important for this great saint to remember that at all times, his time here on earth is passing. And for him again to put a skull on his desk was a reminder to reflect upon who he was and where he was going. And maybe we have our own ways of doing that. I'm not necessarily encouraging to find a skull and, and put it on your desk, but what I am encouraging you to do is what the bishops are encouraging you to do, which is to think about death, not in this negative way, but in the light of what I just talked about, what lies on the other side of death, right? The hope we have in the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the life that awaits us. This is what this corporal work of mercy uh, encourages, right? In the end, my friends, it is always to remember that through our prayers and actions during these times, these times as they relate to burying the dead, we show our respect for life itself. We show our respect for life itself, which is always a gift from God, and to comfort those who mourn. And I'm sitting here thinking about... <laughs> That phrase I just used, this call we have to respect life. Well, speaking of life, I would be remiss if we did not reflect into this call we have to also witness on behalf of the unborn, huh? I mean, another powerful way of entering into this corporal work of mercy. I remember studying at Franciscan University. I had some of my most powerful prayer experiences praying at what was called the tomb of the unborn. And during these experiences, I would often ask God, you know, what is it about being here at the tomb of the unborn that I find myself so close to you? 
And the Lord would often put some form of these words into my heart. Because it is here where you are with me at the foot of the cross. Because it is here where I call you to witness. And uh, mea culpa for the many times that I have failed in this witness. So we have this call to prayerfully witness on behalf of the unborn. For those of you who have been in front of an abortion clinic, and I know there are many of you out there listening to this program right now that have spent a great number of hours in front of an abortion clinic, I'm sure you have encountered the whole gamut of emotion, both positive and negative from maybe those driving by or, or maybe even people walking by as you witness to uh, the Holocaust of the unborn. Something we should be present to is how the most quiet and peaceful prayer in front of an abortion clinic can evangelize the heart, can penetrate the heart. We must always keep before us, my friends, that we are ambassadors of the Holy Spirit. And as such, we really can be agents of mercy. The Holy Spirit desires to use our witness in ways we can never imagine. I remember going to the Walk for Life West Coast in San Francisco and uh, hearing a testimony of a couple who the year before was in San Francisco on their honeymoon, right? on their honeymoon, and they talked about how powerful it was for them, who up to that point on their honeymoon had never really given a lot of thought to the topic of abortion. And here, while on their honeymoon, they saw thousands of people prayerfully, peacefully praying the rosary, joyfully praying the rosary, and it struck them it gripped them. And as they would share the story, they went home and uh, they started talking about what they saw. They started talking about how they would see the other side of the protesters, angry, full of hatred. And it stood out to them that these thousands of people didn't respond with anger, didn't respond with hate, but responded with what prayer? Peaceful prayer, joyful prayer. That couple ended up getting involved in their local pro-life community. Brothers and sisters, our prayerful witness goes a long, long way. On that particular Saturday, there were thousands and thousands of agents of mercy, and they were witnessing to this sixth corporal work of mercy. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. Now, what more could we say on this front? Well, maybe we can get involved with our local pregnancy centers. How about getting involved with uh, Rachel's project? So this corporal work of mercy reaches very, very far when we just spend some time with it, huh? Does it not speak to the very nature of God's love? You know, we now are wrapping up our reflection on the sixth corporal work of mercy, and if there's anything we have hopefully come to appreciate is that these corporal works of mercy— very much speak to the very nature of God's love, which is inexhaustible, right? God's love is inexhaustible. It just keeps on going and going and going. And this is what we discover when you spend some time with these corporal works of mercy. There's always something more we can do. Okay, that being said, we have now arrived at this last corporal work of mercy. Give alms to the poor. If there is something chief among these corporal works of mercy, it is giving alms to the poor. We read in paragraph 2447 in the Catechism 
that giving alms to the poor is one of the chief witnesses to fraternal charity. Now, off the top with this corporal work of mercy, let me say this. It is easy to interpret this as donate your money and be on your way. But there is a much deeper truth that we ought to consider, and that is the cost of the gift. Huh? The cost of the gift. Listen to Christ's words from Mark 12, verses 41 to 44. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. Mm, beautiful, striking. I mean, that really cuts to the core, does it not? Here I am reminded of uh, St. John Paul II when he was here in the United States, specifically New York and even more specific Yankee Stadium. What did he say there? He commended the people of the United States of America for what they give. But he says this, you give from your generosity. You give from your surplus. Thank you. Now give from what you don't have. You give from what you have. Thank you. Now give from what you don't have. Pope Francis was reflecting into this on one occasion and spoke to how our gift transcends when it is enriched by our own poverty. Very much speaking to that gospel text. Here again, my friends, we are made to reflect critically into what metanoia, what repentance is all about. Huh? Metanoia is the Greek word for repentance. It not only means a turn away from sin, but at once a turn towards God. In other words, my friends, our giving should lead to what? Conversion. So it is never about what we give, but what we give up, you see? What is it that happens to us when we enter into this great truth? Huh? Suddenly, mercy is no longer a thing we study, but a way of life as we are now gripped by the misery of others. Remember what the word mercy means in Latin, misericordia, that we see the misery of others and we are gripped by that misery and our heart is moved to do something about it. As we've talked before, <laughs> This new way of thinking and living is caught up in what? But the drama of our senses. Everything we see, everything we touch, everything we smell, everything we hear passes through our converted experience, passes through this new life in Christ. Now we look upon each and every encounter in an entirely new way. Amen to that. Now, what more can we say towards an action plan? <laughs> Again, as advised by the bishops and, and mindful of what we were just talking about, donate money to organizations that have the ability to provide support and, and services for those in need. Do research and find organizations that put people in need first rather than profit. And please be present to that because as we've touched upon before, <laughs> There are, unfortunately, outfits out there that put profit before need. 
And again, think about the little things. Maybe skip your next morning latte and put that money in, in the collection basket at church. Maybe give up going out to a restaurant. Pack your meals and, and donate that extra money to charities. Participate in something like Operation Rice Bowl. Brothers and sisters, understand something. When it comes to giving alms to the poor, there is always more we can give. There is always more we can give. And in speaking to that, does this not speak to the importance of a life of simplicity? My friends, living a life of simplicity is a beautiful expression of mercy, a beautiful expression of solidarity, is it not? Brothers and sisters, in an age of ramped-up consumerism, where things like the brand of clothing we wear and, and the kind of car we drive is held in such high regard, the brand of simplicity as it was lived in Nazareth is something to observe, consider, and embrace. Because it is in simplicity where we rekindle our sense of the essential versus non-essential, our sense of being spiritually poor versus having more. And in that space, do we increase our awareness to those who are without immaterial and spiritual realities? This whole being and having was at the heart of John Paul II's pontificate. Certainly, Pope Francis speaks to it a lot, but be assured it was very much at the heart of John Paul II's pontificate as well. He writes, it is not wrong to want to live better. That's an important piece to, to highlight. huh? It is not wrong to want to live better. What is wrong is a style of life, which is presumed to be better when it is directed towards having rather than being, and which wants to have more, not in order to be more, but in order to spend life as an enjoyment, as an end in itself. Brothers and sisters, there it is. I mean, that really is the heart of John Paul II. In these words from our hero, John Paul II, we are made to see the necessity to consider all in light of how our poverty enriches others. Essentially, our call to become new can only be understood through a proper assessment of what? Material needs, right? Is this not what is before us in this last corporal work of mercy? If we are to be the person that God is calling us to be, we must let go of the have. To become the person God is calling us to be, we must let go of all of those things that we are grabbing at. And is it not this call we have before us to abandon ourselves from all of the commercial efforts out there that tell us you are a better person if you have this or that? No. If we want to become the person we are called to be, we are to balance that life of need versus want. We are to examine what is essential versus what is non-essential, the zone of need versus want. Does this not become an important piece of discernment for every Christian who aspires for holiness in the daily decisions of life? Because wants in the temporal world does not always correlate with our need for Christ, huh? Once we have a deeper understanding of what our need for Christ is all about, there is a shift in perspective from need to want. Our need for Christ now becomes our want to do the will of the Father. And certainly, this becoming the person that God wants us to be very much bears witness to 
than need versus want. Brothers and sisters, if we are ever going to combat the trophy culture with a heart for simplicity, then we have to pull back and to really ask ourselves the question, what more can I do for those who have less? And if it means having less, I can always still do more. Huh? Amen. All right, with that, let us close with a word of prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.